Hello there. Thank you for joining me. I've got quite a show for you today. You might think, what could be so interesting about dams? D-A-M-S. Well, <laughs> actually, it's a pretty big deal in their eugenics toolkit. So let me get started first. You know, in the past, and I hope to get to more of this soon in the future, but what I'm trying to do is focus on the biggest crimes that will affect us like almost immediately, right? And that would be dams. But this country was founded by a group of people that are referred to as robber barons, okay? And robber barons is a term used frequently in the 19th century during America's Golden Age to describe successful industrialists whose business practices were often considered ruthless or unethical. Included in the list of so-called robber barons are Andrew Carnegie, Cornelius Vanderbilt, and John D. Rockefeller. And one that goes unmentioned is actually Kennedy, JFK's dad, that Kennedy. Yes, that Kennedy. He was a robber baron and also very tied into Hollywood. This is just a big movie set, right? And we're still on the game board. These people took over, you know, 1800s or so. But there's many things about this we need to think about, okay? Because people seem to have very short-term memories when it comes to dealing with evil people. They were this way back then, right? They have continued to exhibit the exact same behavior ever since then, right? So essentially, robber barons are still running this country, and it's run basically like a mafia state, right? So the same people are still in charge. These same people were the ones who pulled off the San Francisco earthquake, and that, of course, was done by dynamite to rob property and stuff in San Francisco. And it's these exact same people who are running the banks and everything right now. And something I've been working on that's still going around in my brain, I think there were a lot of people that disappeared from this country early on. Why do I say that? Well, because of all the missing census records. It seems there was a turning point when this country got cooked up, okay? When they came over here on the game board, I believe there was a great deal of dissension that took place. Why do I think that? Well, because all these census records just happened to be missing from that era. <laughs> and they came up with the craziest stories for how these census records all got missing. So that's leading me to believe that possibly when they cooked up this game board in the 1790s, or I think they might have shaved off 100 years here, but let's say, let's just keep it simple and act like these years are all true, okay? In 1790 was the year that this country came alive, right, around that era, okay? There was a census population in 1790 of 3.9 million people, and that was taken on August of 1790, I think, okay? And it was released on August of 1862. How it works is this. Census records are restricted for a period of 72 years after each decennial census. So the most recent publicly available census records are from the 1950 census, which were released on April the 1st, 2022. 
I think the whole thing is fishy why they wait so many years in between censuses. <laughs> but I don't know how it operates in other countries, but it seems rather suspect, okay? So during this census that was supposedly going to get released on August 1862, okay, number of states participating, there were 13, U.S. territories participated, districts of Kentucky, Maine, and Vermont, and the Southwest Territory of Tennessee. And they say they lost about one-third of that data. Um, so, original census records from Delaware, Georgia, New Jersey, and Virginia were lost between the years of 1790 and 1830. And I covered this in a show probably about a year and a half ago or so, okay? And it was the craziest deal. There was also some census records that went missing from Ellis Island. And those, it, just, it was just an insane story, that whole thing, okay? They ended up in some building in Washington that got, <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy story. But anyway, so, yeah, because at that time, I remember I had always thought that the immigration came in through Ellis Island, but that's when I figured out that actually the, the immigration that they weren't keeping good track of was coming in through Louisiana. Louisiana is where a lot of the stuff was coming in through, and they weren't keeping trackers, track necessarily in Louisiana like they were at Ellis Island. But, so anyway, so um, the original census were destroyed, including records from Vermont, Rhode Island, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, South Carolina, North Carolina, Maine, New, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Maryland, and New York. And then they went on to say, despite lost data, the validity of the information captured by the census data the Census Bureau, excuse me, was confirmed by many secondary sources. Well, I don't remember any of this being confirmed, okay? I remember lots of census records missing. And here again, why were they lost between the years of 1790 and 1830? Because here again, I think the reason China did their lockdown the way they did, because a lot of people in the last three years out of China likely went missing. You know, all those people we saw from China getting herded up on the buses and stuff? Well, a lot of those people likely never came back, right? So China likely did their lockdown the way they did to get the problem people to the surface. This people in this country, I know for a fact that they activated the smart meter on my home either in February or March of 2020. I think an order went out when this thing got kicked off and utility companies across this country country activated those smart meters. That's exactly what happened. So yeah, each country chose a different method. This country chose the sneaky, vicious route with the smart meters, right? China hauled them off in buses and stuff. So. Okay, so what I'm going to be talking about today, now that I've wandered past all that stuff, is this um, climate stuff, okay? Because what they're doing now is they're going to be meeting. They have this thing called the COP28 coming out. And what is the COP28? Well, the COP28 will happen in 2023, which is this year, is the 28th session of the Conference of Parties. That's what COP means, Conference of Parties, about climate change. It was initiated by the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. The UAE is hosting COP28, so it will be happening um, December 28th. 
And guess what? Who is the global ambassador for health financing? Well, it just happened to be Gordon Brown. <laughs> Remember the guy who was a PM of the UK from 27 to 2010? These people just float back around now, don't they? So anyway, so this COP28 thing, okay, that is going to be the next meeting. They've had, obviously, a bunch of them. 28, this will be their 28th, so they've had previously 27 sessions. And what have they been talking about at all these meetings? Well, let me play you this clip from, this is from last year's COPE, okay? And just listen to what they're saying, because the whole idea of this COPE is, is, is to sit around and talk about the climate change, right? And now they're kind of getting to the point where they're going to be deciding who's going to be paying for all this stuff, right? So there's a big push now going back and forth. Developed countries are being pushed to pay for undeveloped countries because, you know, the developed countries are the ones causing all this thing. But behind it all, keep in mind that our weather is being manipulated by the U.S. Air Force, okay? So Pakistan wouldn't be having floods and all these things to cause these disasters if it weren't, in fact, for the U.S. government doing that in the first place, right? Tornadoes, tornadoes, floods, and all that stuff. So these countries, unbeknownst to them, they're getting the weather from the U.S. government to begin with, right? I mean, this, some of us are pretty clear that that's going on, right? They are totally manipulating the weather. So, And then they back it up by the Bible so they can say, well, famines have always happened for thousands of years. Look, here in the Bible it says this. Well, they wrote the Bible, okay? So... Um, of course, they can, and then they've done a million movies about famines and stuff, right? Because that way we get into our minds that, well, famines have always been a thing, right? People always go through droughts. People always starve to death. Well, no, they don't. They're being starved to death right now on purpose. It is a plan, not the bug in the system. So let me play this clip here. And just listen to their tone and their voices, okay? This is a clip from the United Nations website. And... Oh, excuse me, from PBS. Climate summit is, ends with a divide remaining between rich and poor countries. So, let's see what they have to say here. For more on the wrap-up and results of this two-week-long UN climate conference, I spoke earlier with NewsHour correspondent William Brangham, who joined us from Glasgow. As this conference winds down in Glasgow, we've been hearing all the negotiators say that while there are parts of this document they're not happy with, they believe the overall agreement is essential and they plenty on to it. The main goal here has been, as we've reiterated over and over again, can these nations cut their greenhouse gas emissions enough to stop the planet warming even more to a dangerous degree? And there are parts of this agreement that move in that direction. Amazingly, in 26 conferences, this is the first one where fossil fuels specifically mentioned in these documents. Isn't that pretty amazing? Talk about the removal of the it's amazing to me that, wait a second here, the world government they've had 26 conferences, okay? This one coming up will be the 28th, and this is the first time they have mentioned <laughs> fossil fuels. So let me back up here a minute, because that's pretty startling, isn't it? Okay, out of their own mouth, right? We mentioned in these documents. They also talk about the removal of the subsidies, the half a trillion dollars that world governments give to oil and gas companies every single year. John Kerry yesterday referred to that as the definition of insanity. 
this document talks about trying to phase those out as well. There's also greater talk about aid and doubling aid for the developing nations who are most hit by climate change. You will remember several years ago, wealthier nations promised $100 billion every year starting in 2020. They have failed to deliver on that amount. Critics claim that none, nothing in this agreement really moves that ball far enough. In fact, activists today held a, a mock funeral for COP26 in a cemetery here in Glasgow to protest what they argue is inaction on this issue and on others. Overall, it is important to remember that these agreements have no real binding mechanism. There's no enforcement here. These words are largely exhortations for these countries to do better, to promise to do more, to make plans for the future. It's been an ongoing criticism that there is really no way to hold these countries that fail to live up to what they sign on to accountable. That is not changing. I mean, by any measure, this is the most discussed issue in diplomatic history, and yet there is very little to show for that in terms of results. In those 30 years, emissions have continued to go up, temperatures have continued to go up, and climate-driven disasters all over the world have continued to go up. That is the uncomfortable truth behind all of these climate conferences. And there you have it, right? Kind of funny, huh? It is the plan, not the bug in the system. So anyway, so yeah. Um, being run out of the UN, 2023, it will be held in Dubai from November 30th until December the 12th at the Expo City in Dubai. The conference has been held annually since the first UN climate agreement in 1992. It is used by governments to agree on policies to limit global temperature rises and adapt to impacts associated with climate change. So yeah, pretty um, kind of explains why um, they're rushing from here to there to do dams and all this stuff. Today I will be talking first about a dam which I believe is going to be wiping out a large part of Africa. This dam, and I'll be talking about this dam first, and then I will get into what I found out about dams. Do dams really create droughts or do dams help droughts? Let's take a look. There's this dam which is right now in the final final stages called the Grand Ethiopian Ethiopian Renaissance Dam. And it is located in Ethiopia. And it is in the finishing touches. It's called the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam. It is a gravity dam utilized in the strength of the Blue Nile River in Ethiopia. The dam, I'm sorry, I have trouble with for some reason, it does something to your head, this radiation stuff, you, you start to kind of flip words. The dam itself has been under construction since 2011, and many would argue the dam is already finished, sort of. In February of 2022, the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam produced power for the first time. But the dam is not near full capacity as a reservoir housing the water is in a filling period that could take up to seven years to fully fill. The reservoir started filling in late 2020 and once filled will produce much more electricity to the surrounding grid. 
there are many new projects related to dams that are planned for 2023. One of them, they're doing this one thing called pumped storage technologies. There's really only two things here, the dams and this new thing. I think this pumped storage technology is kind of like an added on item, right? Get them to buy the idea of this, the dam, and then you can sell them this added package. Because you need to realize when countries go look for financing for dams and different structures and stuff, what usually happens is they find obviously some psychos to loan them the money, right? And it always comes with a million strings attached. And one of the huge strings is that with that money, you're also going to be hiring all of their people to come and execute it. See what I mean? So they loan you the money, then you pay all of their people exorbitant sums <laughs> to come and set it up. You can see the cash starting to suck out of the system, right? So it seems to me now that dams are like the hot issue, right? And they're coming up with this pump storage technology, which is rapidly expanding in countries where wind and solar power are also growing. This technology involves two reservoirs, one on top of a hill and another at the bottom. When electricity generated from nearby power plants exceeds demand, it's used to pump water uphill, essentially filling the upper reservoir in a, as a battery. Later, when electricity demand spikes, water is released to the lower reservoir to a turbine generating power. Now go listen to my show that I did. I don't believe, I did a show about they're generating electricity from the air, okay? I don't believe these dams are generating electricity to begin with, okay? That's just the story. It's kind of like I was talking about all the nuclear plants, right? Well, why does the U.S. have twice the nuclear plants of any other country. This country has twice the nuclear plants of China, okay? Is it because this is the home of the eugenics? Is this the home of the experiment that they've got themselves in so much debt? I'm just gonna go on a wildfire here, okay? <laughs> is it possible that these nuclear plants all around this country, with all that nuclear waste stored right next to all of them, why does the United States have twice those amount of places than even China. Is a plan that in order to get themselves out of this money thing that one day in the near future a few of these nuclear plants will just happen to have a few little accidents and so that will take the attention off the 30 trillion dollars they owe the world and plus the, uh, the amount of money they printed that nobody knows about? It would be a pretty good diffusion, right? So, but, but you know, it has, it has to be questioned, right? Because those nuclear power plants they say are making electricity, but they also create nuclear weapons. So why do we have so many of them? So anyway, so back to the other business here. So in 2021, China released an ambitious plan to roll out pumped storage nationwide in an effort to reduce reliance on fossil fuels. So I think, now I may be wrong, I think they just cooked up this pump storage stuff recently, right? There are also plans for dam removal projects, such as the removal of four dams, which will enable fish, they're always talking about the fish, okay? Um, so 
they're taking some dams down because of the fish. But in California, the fish they're taking the dams down for have are not even real fish. They're like invasive species. So this whole fish in the dam business doesn't make any sense, okay? Uh, pump storage technology is being used by many countries. Europe and China are leading the installation of new pump storage capacity. More than half of new hydropower capacity additions in Europe by 2025 will be pump storage, notably in Switzerland, Portugal, and Australia. Austria, excuse me. In China, pump storage will also account for more than half of new hydropower capacity annually between 23 and 25. The other countries using pump storage technology include the United States, Australia, Germany, India, South Korea, Italy, Spain, South Africa, Taiwan, and the United Kingdom. But I'm here to say that I'll tell you in a minute, because if dams actually create drought, what's up with the pump storage technology, right? <laughs> pump storage technology has many benefits. It is a best proven, low risk technology. Those are always words that should just make the hair on the back of your neck stand straight up with high efficiency and long asset lifetimes. It also shows lower operating costs than other technology that can provide similar services. Pump storage can balance volatile renewable energy generators with demand, manage grid bottlenecks, support grid stability by virtue of a quick response to changing demand or sudden outages, and contribute to grid stability by increasing grid inertia and providing black star capability. Phew. Well, for small and islanded grids, especially pump storage hydropower is an ideal partner when independence from fossil fuels can be achieved. So, I don't know. It sounds to me like it's something not needed, but anyway, so, there is these studies, okay, and this was an article from 2011, and it's titled, How Dams Can Bring About Rainfalls and Drought. It is undisputed that dams can influence local rainfalls. Humidity evaporates from reservoirs and irrigated fields and gets recycled as rainfall. Evaporation from reservoirs can also cause more frequent storms. On the other hand, dams and levees can reduce evaporation and rainfall when they drain wetlands and open up woodlands for deforestation. The Niger Delta in West Africa illustrates how dams can influence rainfalls. In September, and this is from 2011. In September, the Delta's wetlands extend to an area of 30,000 square kilometers, roughly the size of Belgium, and feed rainfalls over a much larger region. Yet upstream dams on the Niger have reduced the flows into the Delta by 10 to 15 percent, and a major proposed hydropower project upstream on the river would reduce 
inflows by a further 33%. Such a change would significantly reduce the window in the seasonal cycle when the wetland can influence rainfall. So, yeah, so th these dams have been around forever, and they're just figuring this out, right? So there's a big dam in China called the Three Gorges Dam, okay? And I'll be getting to that more in a minute here. So about this rainfall, what does this mean for the Three Gorges Dam? A group of researchers in the U.S. and China analyzed regional rainfall data before and after the completion of the dam on the Yangtze. They found that precipitation decreased somewhat south of the reservoir and increased significantly about 100 kilometers north of the reservoir. So the Three Gorges Dam is now greatly diminishing the seasonal expansion of the two flood basins. So um, during this year's drought, the majestic Dongting Lake home of the famous Chinese dragon boat races turned into a sad mud flap with isolated pools of water. So then I looked up um, what are the problems with the Three Gorges Dam. <laughs> well, there's a lot of them. Include the flooding of some of the world's most scenic areas, the drowning of farmland, the submerging of a thousand cities, villages, and towns, and relocation of 1.3 million people to higher ground. Yeah, I guess you know, I guess that's one way to clear out an area is to tell them you're going to put a dam in and you just move those people out of your way, right? Um, so, uh, so. Um, then I had another piece for more recent, which is actually even more alarming. Dams as drivers of drought and water pollution. Evidence from the Euphrates Tiger Basin in Turkey and Iraq. And I just gathered up some different countries with different issues, okay? Um, and this was from, and what they do is they, they're scientists <coughs> print these papers up and they will only show you the abstract until you want to pay to get more. So I just copied the abstract from November 2021. It said, and this is about the dams as drivers of droughts and water pollution, okay? In a nutshell, drought has erupted across the Middle East as a result of climate change and global warming leading to a considerable reduction in rainfall and snowfall, <clears throat> as well as a substantial drop in water resources. Climate change is, without a doubt, one of Iraq's most pressing issues, with considerable negative consequences for the environment, water resources, and the economy, particularly in the agriculture section. Most of the water supplied for drinking, agriculture, and irrigation purposes in Iraq is coming from the Euphrates-Tigris Basin and is being affected by climate change. So what they're saying is, namely, I, I have some of these kind of mumbled together, but it, 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 it's a, this is a monster problem, okay? Water, I mean, in this country, they're giving 
giving us toxins in all of our water. Over there, in the countries with the people with the brown skin, they're giving them dams, right, to give them droughts. They're already getting droughts from the lack of different things. Now it's going to get worse with these dams. Okay. Namely, Turkey and Syria have escalated the situation in recent decades and continue to be exasperated today due to growing demand. Dams built in Iraq, Turkey, Iran, and Syria increase the incident of droughts and poor quality of drinking and agriculture water that further affect negatively the income, assets, and food security of Iraqi households. So yeah, this is a big, big deal, right? Um, a proposed dam, they're, they're on this <laughs> dam building spree, right? In the autonomous Kurdistan region in northern Iraq threatens several major tributaries on the Tigris River, which along the Euphrates feeds the marshes. In recent summers, Iranian dams and water diversion projects have caused flows of the Sirwan and Little Zab rivers, vital sources for the Kurdistan region and key tributaries of the Tigris to drop significantly, affecting drinking supplies, livelihoods, and power production. It doesn't sound good to me. Dams are important. And then, then here we get the opposite side, right? This guy who's in charge of the director of dams says, dams are important for the region's power generation and to ensure water for domestic use, irrig irrigation, fisheries, and tourism. <laughs> well, I'm here to argue it's the opposite, okay? It's an ongoing process in which 35 dams have been given, oh, where was this? Yeah, they're, they're rushing to do so many dams, they've given 35 and 14 are being constructed. And this is it, Kurdistan, K-U-R-D-I-S-T-A-N. They are really going insane around the world for these dams. Large dams can be built across a river to produce electricity and store water in a reservoir. However, this can reduce river water flowing downstream and cause drought below the dam. While many dams and reservoirs are built or expanded to alleviate droughts and water shortages, they can paradoxically contribute to making them worse. An oh boy, an international team of drought scientists found that increasing reservoir storage capacity can also lead to unintended effects in the long term and paradoxically worsen water shortage. Dams can have several negative impacts on the environment and people. In flat basins, large dams can cause flooding of large tracts of land, destroying local animals and habitats. People may have to be displaced, causing change in lifestyle and customs, even causing emotional scarring. Large amounts of plant life are submerged and decay anaerobically, which is, means the absence of oxygen, generating greenhouse gases like methane. <laughs> Dams also alter ecosystems by blocking water, which impacts life downstream, both for ecosystems and people. And then I was looking at, well, what are the alternatives to dams? <laughs> well, how about if we 
just agree that we came from an advanced society and we didn't really know about any of this stuff and it's all new to us, right? And they're in fact making this up as they go along. There are several alternatives to dams. One alternative is to focus on alternative sources of energy such as solar energy, windmills, <laughs> thermal power plants, and nuclear power stations. Well, I think the rush for dams is going to be on full speed ahead here. Another alternative is a reuse of treated sewage, blah, <laughs> stormwater or gray water for non-portable activities such as industrial processes, irrigation, toilet flushing, and fire protection. <laughs> How about if we just didn't get all this screwed up in the first place? Groundwater recharge involves, oh, I don't know, rainforest harvesting is another option. Have you seen what comes out of the sky? I don't think you want to harvest rainforest. Um, um, Reoperation of existing dams by altering the way an existing, already existing dam is utilized is usually cheaper and less harmful to our environment than constructing a new dam. <laughs> I could have figured that out. Um, dams can provide many benefits to, I'm just trying to give you the good side, to countries, including those that are less developed. Yeah, let's bring those dams to Africa. That's where they're going. Dams to Africa, okay. Dams can be used for hydroelectric power generation, which is a renewable source of energy and can help reduce reliance on fossil fuels. Well, if we overlook the methane, they're shooting out of them, right? Dams can also provide water for irrigation, human consumption, industrial use, and agriculture. They can also help prevent floods and provide a source of income through tourism. I guess there's a rush on people wanting to go visit dams. <laughs> However, it is important to note that dams can also have a negative impact on the environment and people, and there are alternatives to dams to, that can be considered. There are. I, I was trying to get some handle on all the new dam projects going on now, and really, <laughs> it's a lot, okay? So, <laughs> I would consider looking around country for dams, okay, and dam projects, because I think the dams, they can really push them now that there is drought, they can probably flip this around and say, well, we really need the dams because they're drought, and they would leave off the part about dams creating the drought, right? There are many new dam projects being planned or under construction around the world. I only found one, but like I said, I didn't look for a year. A 2020, I started getting kind of worried when I was reading there's many new dams being built. A 2021 study by WWF found that 509 new dams are planned or under construction in legally designated protected areas such as national parks, natural reserves, and land inhabited by indigenous people. <laughs> of course, they're going to get where the indigenous people are. They're doing a big... Um, I think it's about lithium or something in California now. They picked out the absolute poorest part of California to go in and tell them that we got this big project coming. Your people will all find work, and it's going to destroy the whole area. But I can't get into it right now. Anyway, some of these projects. Some of these projects include the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam in Ethiopia, which we started off with, which is set to be Africa's largest source of hydroelectric power. In China, hundreds of dams are being built. 
some on Asia's last wild rivers, such as the Salween and this other one. Europe is also experiencing a dam bonanza with more than 570 sizable dam projects being planned in the Balkans alone. And that's not even a complete list, okay? I had to kind of keep moving at that point. So then I was looking for who, who's financing these things, right? Dams in less developed countries can be financed by a variety of sources. One source is the government of the country where the dam is being built. For example, the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam in Ethiopia is being financed through local taxes, donations, and government bonds. Another source of financing for dams can be international organizations such as the World Bank, which has a history of financing large dam projects. It is important to note that the financing of dams can be complex and can involve multiple sources of funding. Yes, that's where that's where the confusion and that's where it makes it keeping track of the money harder. So this Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dan, also referred to as GERD. We already talked about this. It's been under construction since 2011. Um, the primary purpose is electricity production, okay? And this is where it gets tricky with this deal, okay? Because, um, sorry, I'm moving those forwards. Um, this is where it gets tricky because um, this dam involves a lot of other countries, okay? And um, it's okay, sweetheart. Okay. Um, the primary purpose is electricity production. Um, Ethiopia's acute energy shortage and for electricity export to neighboring countries. So the other in countries will... And, the dam will be the largest hydroelectric power plant in Africa and among the largest in the world, okay? The dam is estimated to cost close to $5 billion. So um, here's what I found interesting. Ethiopians abroad and at home contributed the first $350 million with government workers contributing amounts equal to a month of their salaries. But people, they really want to get this electricity there, right? I guess we should let the people in Ethiopia know that our bodies are made of electricity, so no bueno. You don't want the electricity, Ethiopia. The Ethiopian Electric Power Corporation, a state-owned utility, is also investing its own revenue and borrowing money from state-owned banks. Okay, so then I was looking at other initiatives, and we're about, I'm about ready to close up here pretty soon. I get dizzy thinking about dams. Um, the United Nations has several initiatives related to dams. One such initiative is the Dams and Development Project, DDP. And remember, D is their favorite word. It's also the number four. D for death, right? D-Day during World War II. D, death, okay? Kind of funny they named dams. They could have named dams anything, but they chose a word with a D, right? They have several projects. Um, I don't know. Uh, 
The DDP supports multi-stakeholder dialogue at country level, regional and global levels on improving blah, 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 blah. Okay. Okay. The UN also conducts research on the impact of dams. For example, a study by the UN University's Institute for Water, Environmental, and Health found that by 2050, large dams could lose more than a quarter of their storage capacity due to sedimentation. Pretty big deal, right? They lose 25% just a few years. The UN also stands ready to support countries in resolving disputes related to dams because this dam called the GERD, which is the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam, is in a conflict between Egypt, Ethiopia, and the Sudan. The GERD has been a source of tension between Ethiopia, Sudan, and Egypt. The primary concern for Egypt and Sudan is that the dam will reduce the flow of water downstream to their countries. Egypt, which relies almost entirely on the Nile for its water, sees the dam as a possible existential threat. Ethiopia, on the other hand, argues that the hydroelectric project will not significantly affect the flow of water into the Nile and that it has the right to utilize its natural resources to address widespread poverty and improve the living standards of its people. Negotiations between Ethiopia, Sudan, and Egypt over the dam have been ongoing for several years but have failed to reach a final agreement. In 2021, negotiations reached a new impasse when Sudanese Irrigation Minister Yasir Abba stated, we cannot continue this vicious cycle of circular talks indefinitely. Egypt and Sudan have asked the UN Security Council to discuss the issue and went firm commitments over the timetable of the filling as well as the volume of water the GERD will release. I have an idea. Why don't Ethiopia, Sudan, and Egypt get together and get rid of the damn dam? <laughs> it's not going to do anything any good. It's going to starve and it's going to starve and uh, pretty much increase your already horrible droughts to a magnitude that would be unbelievable for your people to survive. There are many dams in Africa, some of them, and I, I was trying to look and I started to get lost because there are so many of them. I mean, really a lot of dams, okay? These people have become, in the last year, they have become, and a lot of these dams have been going in, but now there's a push to do more and more. There are several problems with dams in Africa. For example, the revival of dams in Africa is stalling. The continent's most ambitious dam building states, Ethiopia and Sudan, have seen their construction programs go off track or be suspended because of domestic political struggles. Shifting considerations of Africa's new dam financiers have also contributed to stagnation. Yeah, I just saw they supposedly ar arrested some crook that was running Pakistan, and um, 
what they do is they let these crooks run these countries and rob as much as they can get their greedy paws on, and then they act like they're going to arrest them, and what they do is they send them off to some other location. This stuff is not a mystery. Jeffrey Epstein was not murdered, okay? And if you look at all the people online still talking about Jeffrey Epstein, Julian Assange, you got to know they're all liars, right? I worked on Epstein early on, and the cameras were not on when he supposedly got murdered. I, I tracked every detail of that thing, okay? And then, of course, it becomes a social media sensation, and they all take over, they write books, and they all miss the key fact that Jeffrey Epstein cannot be dead, or why were the cameras in the jail have to be turned off that night? So, yeah, um, I think what's going to happen is they're going to be pushing these other countries and be saying, hey, we've treated you poorly in the past, so we're going to bring you up to speed. And they're going to either stick them with the debt or they're going to be bringing in dams like you've never seen before. And I kept querying, why are dams so popular? And it said dams are popular because they provide many benefits. They provide a source of clean energy. Well, I argue about this because electricity is no bueno for us, okay? So it's not clean energy. They help us to maintain our water supply. No, they don't. They, help, they provide us with critical recreational opportunities. A well-constructed dam provides several flood control benefits and gives us a way to irrigate croplands they may not receive enough moisture. Droughts can have a significant impact on dams and their ability to generate electricity. See, here's where the catch comes in, okay? Because when you have a drought, you don't have enough water to put in the dam, right? Well, let's use a little common sense here, okay? Droughts can have a significant impact on dams and their ability to generate electricity. For example, in Zambia, most of the grid electricity is generated by hydropower. Over the past decade, reoccurring droughts have exposed deep vulnerabilities in the system. The drought caused water levels in the Kariba Dam hydroelectric facility to fall to critically low levels. This can cause hydroelectric dams to operate at reduced capacity. They really have set up this crazy word game now, haven't they? Um, Dan droughts can have several impacts on dams. For example, droughts can reduce the amount of water stored in reservoirs behind dams, reducing the amount of power produced. This can be particularly challenging for small communities that rely on small-scale hydroelectric projects. See, now they're pushing all these small projects, right? In some cases, Dams and reservoirs can paradoxically contribute to making droughts worse. Just using simple logic and common sense, low water levels and reservoirs during drought conditions can reduce the energy that can be generated by hydroelectric dams. And then I was want, I wanted to just confirm, yes, parts of Africa are currently experiencing a severe drought. The Horn of Africa, which includes countries such as Somalia, Ethiopia, and Kenya, is facing an unprecedented drought following years of below average rainfall. 
about 23 million people are experiencing food insecurity in these countries. The UN has stated that 3.8 billion is needed to help provide life-saving assistance to avoid a humanitarian catastrophe. Drought can have a significant impact on food security in Africa. For example, the current drought in the Horn of Africa has caused, well I already said that, yeah, the 23 million people. Uh, this is due to a combination of factors such as below average rainfall, conflict and instability, the impact of COVID-19 pandemic and rising food prices. And who caused all of those issues? The U.S. government, right? As families face severe food insecurity, many have left their homes in search of food and water. This can lead to large-scale displacement and a deterioration in hygiene and sanitation. Outbreaks of infectious diseases are a major concern. So, um... I think that um, that's about it for the world of dams. Um, I would um, think this over for yourself. I am of the impression that dams are a very clever way to hide in plain sight a method to destroy a heck of a lot of people's lives, okay? I think this country, we have these smart meters and uranium coming our ways and nuclear plants. And I think their plans for the rest of the world is to get dams set up, right? Because they probably can't go around country by country dumping toxins in all of your water all over the world, right? So dams would be a pretty efficient way to take out water for a lot of developing countries, right? Um, you take out the water, you take out the food, you take it all out, right? This is a ruthless evil operation going on and it appears to me it's heading toward all the people with the darker skin so if you have any thoughts about this being anything but eugenics I don't know it appears to me that dams are a pretty big deal you know it, it just amazes me that right here hiding in plain sight we got the nuclear plants and we got the dams I mean <laughs> Hot damn, right? Hot damn. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I'm still kind of processing all of this. Um, it's a pretty clever eugenics trick, right? And here again, they got us to fund it. They got us to do the labor to put in for the work. And they're using our labor to ride around in fancy cars, to wear fancy metals and stuff, and to build expensive dams which they're going to put on the backs of all these poor people because they're going to convince all these people that hey look at all the droughts now and because they have droughts now they will use that as a tool to further push these dams right they'll say oh, oh okay we need to fund more dams because of drought and they'll leave off the part about the droughts are causing the drought right so this could be an excellent tool for them to get more dams in place because Africa's being everybody's being hit with droughts right so these poor people will be forced to work even harder because they'll be convinced that they need to pay more taxes to pay for all these dams. And I don't know. I don't know. 
I think they've got a pretty clever trap going for us, if you ask me. So, um, I uploaded a show to YouTube this week, or yesterday, I think, or maybe today, I can't remember, but uh, it got it got a strike. It, it's a stupid reason. I'll address it next week. In the meantime, I certainly hope that um, keeping your head above water, and um, remember, it's a game board, okay? It's a game board. Try to play a fair and even game. Let's not try to be like them and become hateful and rotten, okay? Hate just pours out of every one of their pores. They're racist. They're hateful. They're psychopaths, okay? And if you think they're going to make anything uneasy on anybody, I got news for you. If you got a chance to do anything, do it, because what is the other side of this deal? They're, they're taking out our water. They're building all these dams and stuff. I don't know. Make your own decisions. So I'd like to play this song for you. It's called Make Your Own Kind of Music. against the age of their retirement being raised from, what was it, 62 to 64. And here we sit in the United States, they're pushing us to 70, right? <laughs> but anyway, so I've talked in the past about France fighting back and how much I admire the French. Well, it's actually even better. They're totally isolating us from what's really going on. They are kicking ass. They're burning that country down, okay? They want to burn it all down. This isn't about just their employment. This is about they want it all down. So look to France. Just look to France, okay? And how long? How long? There's not that many of them. But they have all their agents, of course. But how long do we pay them to murder us and sit, sit back while they murder the most vulnerable I really do not get it. So let's just listen to the song, okay? And I'll shut up.
safe out there and goodbye for now.